Welcome to the STEM Teacher Podcast. I'm your host, John Van Dusen. This is episode 48, STEM in Special Education. I'm excited for this episode today because first off, I think it's really important to talk about STEM topics when it comes to working with students with special needs. But I'm also very excited because one of my very best friends in life, Kyle Anderson, is on the show today. Kyle is a graduate of Alpena High School in Alpena, Michigan in the year 2000. We first met at Northern Michigan University where he played football um, and got a bachelor's of science in 2005. He has a master's in education from Southern Utah University, an ed specialist degree from Nova Southeastern University, and he's currently working on a master's of science from Western Governors University. He is half of the Beer EDU podcast, which I'll put a link down into the show notes if you haven't listened. It's pretty awesome. He also is on Twitter at AndersonEdTech, and he also runs his own blog. He is also a Google certified educator, and he's an overall amazing teacher. He is currently a special ed teacher in Carson City, and we are very grateful to have him on today. All right, welcome to the show, Kyle. Hey, thanks a lot, John. Good to be here. It is. I'm. Uh, I did an episode with your daughter back when James and I surprised you back in Las Vegas, and that's episode. And a surprise that was. That that was definitely a surprise. So for the listeners out here, Kyle and I have been great friends for a long time, and uh, James, my son, and I had it totally planned out with Kyle's wife Mary, and we were supposed to show up at about ten o'clock on a Monday night. And we were going to bring pizza. And the whole joke was, you know, Mary is going to say, oh, yeah, I ordered a pizza. I forgot to tell you. And and we were going to be standing there with a pizza. Big surprise. But our plane got delayed. We ended up landing in California to get gas. So we showed up at 1.30 in the morning. So here I am knocking on his door at 1.30 in the morning. Mary comes to the door. She says, I'm trying to get Kyle up. And she goes back to Kyle and says, Kyle, there's a man at the door. I need help. So you can imagine the the look on Kyle's face as he comes around the corner and I'm standing in the doorway. So, I mean, I am not a violent man, but um, let's just say that my fist was ready just in case. Oh, that was a great surprise. And then he just stood there, you know, in shock, like what, what's Wait, happening? What is going on? I don't understand. So while we were out there, we visited Hoover Dam and Elsa, his daughter was on the podcast uh, with me and that's episode 30 if you'd like to listen. But uh, we brought Kyle on today because he is, uh, well, I'll let him tell you, what are you doing right now, Kyle? For, for I a job? am a special education teacher at Carson high school in Carson city, Nevada. All right. And tell us kind of how you've, you were out of the actual teaching role for a while. Kind of tell us where you were before that, specifically when you were in Las Vegas. So I was a social studies teacher for 11 years. I taught mostly U.S. history, AP U.S. history, taught a little government as well. Then for a short stint, I was a site-based technology coach where I helped teachers out integrating technology in their classroom. And then I did a short stint as a middle school dean, but administration at this juncture in my life, just it wasn't I wasn't ready for it. And my family wasn't ready for it. So uh, the job that was available for me when I requested to go back to the classroom was a physical education position at a behavior school. So I did that for a year. And then we moved from Las Vegas to Reno, Nevada, 
uh, where my wife is going to grad school, and then I'm working about 30 minutes away in Carson City. That's great. Um, so I know you're you're huge into technology type things, and I know you travel all around the Western United States doing different conferences and whatnot. How did you get as deep into technology education as you are right now? Like, where did it all kick off? Just well, kind of go through that journey with us. Yeah, it was one of those things where I've always been, I don't want to say I've always been techie because that's definitely not the accurate thing to say, but I've always been a person that's always tried to look for ways to not only make life easier for my students, uh, better ways to learn, but at the same time, make life easier for me as a teacher too. I, I vowed going into teaching and even into my first year that I would not take stuff home to grade, like stacks upon stacks of paper. So I was always trying to find a way to be more productive without having to work as hard as you hear the, the nightmare stories of people staying up till 2 a.m. every night grading stuff. That, that just was not me. So and technology does a lot of that for me, where um, a lot of the different stuff that I can do using tech, it just makes my life easier and it makes my students lives easier as well. And there's just so many different things that we can do with technology to address the different learning styles that students have. I know when you brought that up, the papers, I know my first year, I just, I didn't have any idea what I was doing and I was bringing papers home all the time. And, uh, I know you, I think you were the first person I knew to use Google classroom. Can you tell us kind of how Google classroom kind of just changed how you approached your education? It was something that I had been, I had tried different things off and on for a few years, uh, a class website where I could post, uh, different things and, then I tried just using a Google calendar where I would post things on there. And I just, I was just kind of, I was looking for something different when Google classroom came out because I was very fortunate. I worked at a school that was a pilot for Google apps for education, where the district where I worked, there was a handful of schools that we got signed up for. We got to kind of pilot it out for about three years, see how it worked. So yeah, it was great. And I was able to learn all this stuff. And learn like Google Drive and how Doc Sheets, slides, uh, drawings, all those things work. And then Google Sites at the time wasn't real great. And that is what I had at one point was a Google Site. And it just was so cumbersome to work with. So I was looking for something. And when the announcement came out, I mean, we're talking like three days before school started. Announcement came out that there was this new thing called Google Classroom. And I said, you know what? Let's give it a shot because, I mean, I'm just I'm at a loss for what I want to do right now anyway. And I haven't looked back. So at the time, I look back at it now. And at the time, I actually met with a Google rep one time and he asked me what I thought of it. And I said, at the time, it just, it wasn't really great. I go, in fact, it, it just, it kind of sucked at the beginning if I look at it now. And the guy goes, we don't say that at Google. We say feature deficient. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that one too. So now whenever somebody talks about an app uh, that they feel like could be better than what it is, that like, it, this isn't real good or this app sucks, I say, it doesn't suck. It's feature deficient. I have those moments too. <laughs> I know uh, for for me, I don't currently have a job. I'm a STEM teacher pre-K through fifth grade. So I don't have an application for Google Classroom with my students, but I use Google Classroom with my football team. Cause it's a great way to post scouting reports and film and, and all those different types of things. And it, the kids have really easy access to it either on their phone or on a tablet. Yes. And I've used Google classroom in the past before for school clubs. I, when I ran a ski and snowboard club, I posted meeting agendas and fundraising stuff and 
payment plans, the information on payment plans for our trips, so on and so forth. And right now I actually have a class for our senior project students that I have four students that I have to mentor for their senior project. And I have them turn their stuff into me on that uh, because a couple of them are actually off campus 90% of the time. So it's a lot easier to get stuff from them without having to arrange an actual meeting. Yeah. Google Classroom is, it's, it is super user-friendly now. Um, So coming out of a lot of technology type work and moving into um, a special education position, can you walk us through kind of where you see STEM used and how it can enhance um, students you work with who have some special needs? I think assistive technology is the biggest thing. So we have a lot of students in my school that require accommodations like uh, speech to text, where having something read to them. So rather than having a teacher or a paraprofessional having to pay attention to just that one student having to read something to them, like the directions to an assignment or a test, we can use a speech to text program or excuse me, a text-to-speech program where that can be read to them by the computer where they can have earphones on instead. So it frees up that teacher to be able to work with multiple students at one time rather than just that one. Uh, But it also allows, there's different apps out there too that allow for students to, if they don't understand a word, they don't know how to pronounce it, they can highlight it, have it read to them, and and the program can even give them like an example of it being used in a different sense or a definition. So text help has a program called read, write that does this. And that helps my special education students out tremendously. I can imagine. So is there, um, do you ever use go the other way where you have maybe your students, um, instead of writing or typing where it goes from speech to text? Yes, um, actually. So I have some students that also struggle with writing skills. So rather than having that student work on a sentence for five minutes, which I do have some students in the past, especially in the past, I've had students that they they can write a good sentence. It just takes them a really long time to do so. They can speak that into the Google Doc instead, and it reads that what they're saying they have to add the punctuation and sometimes it doesn't quite understand what's being said um and you may have to change like a where 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 or were or something like that uh but outside of that it's a really great piece of technology that the students can use um and they can do some different stuff with the punctuation and a lot of people will say well doesn't that just make it to where the student relies on that now And I disagree with that because I feel that by hearing the words, if it's being read to them or by seeing it when they're speaking it into it and it's writing it for them, they're going to see that over and over again. And eventually they're going to be able to learn from that technology and not have to use it continuously for the rest of their life. Right. And I see I see two things there. One, you are allowing the student to get their ideas on paper, which is the most important part. You can clean it up afterwards. And two, um, I had a reading teacher tell me one time, you do not get better at reading by listening to a bad reader read. So I know when I had sixth grade, I used to do the book uh, A Long Way from Chicago, which is a great book, but it's a little above where my sixth graders were. So I did it book on tape and the kids followed along in the book and we listened to the CD, a perfect reader reading every word perfectly. And uh, I saw my my students get better at reading just by listening while they're reading along. 
Right. And then there's there's so many other programs out there too that not only does it act as assistive technology to help students that may struggle with various skills, but I'm also a big advocate for choice in what students can do in when it comes time to assess. I mean, the the multiple choice test and not everybody can do well at that. It's and it's becoming very outdated, but what I can do with various technology, I can have a student write something if they're comfortable with writing, or maybe they record a short video using a program like Flipgrid, where they can I can give them the question or the prompt, and then they can record themselves giving the answer verbally on a short video, or even just face-to-face, I can take that and then provide feedback to the student that way. So just having this technology out here really hits, hits the T part of STEM by assisting special ed students, not just assistively, but just providing that choice for students as well. That's that's uh, that's kind of like what I did today with my fifth graders. Um, for STEM, we we built shoes all week, and then they had to give the feature the features of their shoe, and we made a short video of it. And uh, it kind of leads into in a couple more cycles, they're actually going to make their own uh, water bottle flipping videos where they have to edit it in and put it in. Um, have you noticed where in some STEM areas where your students with special needs maybe excel more than uh, people without special needs? Being I work in social studies classroom uh, with special ed students, I don't get to see the science and the math and the engineering as much. But because I'm writing IEPs for students across all curricular areas, I do have to look at uh, goals for things like math. So I do have to work with math teachers a little bit more to see how a student is doing their class and what kind of accommodations that they're going to need for that. And I've seen accommodations uh, for things like having a multiplication uh, chart in front of them for a test to requiring that they have a graphing calculator to go along with that test. So I, I think with some of the technology that's out there, um, text help again, uh, same with the Read Write app. They have a program called Equatio that uh, assists with math skills and then also allows you to help type math uh, formulas because that's something you don't see on a standard keyboard. So it, it's something that I just I don't get to see as much as I'd like to, but it's definitely something that the more I work with students, I see their skills develop more in science and math as we go. Okay, and maybe that's where I have a little more expertise in the math and, and engineering part of it, um, because of my STEM class, uh, we do a ton of hands-on. I don't do a lot of technology, because all the classroom teachers do a ton of technology, so I'm more of a hands-on guy. And I have seen students who I know struggle in the classroom, but when it comes to, like this last project, we're building shoes, or we're building simple machines, um, we're building bridges. Kids gravitate to some of those kids who may struggle in the classroom, but are really, really good with their hands and they can really just see it in their brain. And you can just look at these kids and say, that kid is going to make a million dollars as a welder because he just gets it. He's got it's that. Funny that you said welding out. because I actually have a student that um, when I met with him a while back to, to talk to him about what he wanted to do with his future this this young man struggles mightily with reading and writing, but this kid already has plans as a freshman in high school to become an underwater welder. And I've seen some of his work in the welding class, and I know he's going to be an underwater welder. Yeah, and that's you know that's where I am. I am very grateful for my job because that's 
I can play to those kids' strengths where if you set a worksheet in front of them or a book in front of them, they might not do very well and they might they might struggle to the point where they um, you know, have an IEP. But when it comes to building something or using their hands or that spatial intelligence where they can, you know, I, I say that you can just see it in your brain what it's supposed to look like when it's done. Um, I'm very grateful for the STEM program that we're in because I see that literally every single day. Well, ultimately a great STEM program, like what you're doing. And I see what you're doing. And I, I appreciate whenever you're posting videos and pictures, um, having a great STEM program. And then I used to work at a career and tech Academy is it's teaching our students problem solving skills. And like, like, for example, I, I saw something yesterday about calculus. When are you ever going to use calculus? You're not going to use calculus, but it's what it's going to do is the whole process of calculus teaches you problem solving skills. And then on top of that, there's a lot of this movement in our educational world about sending every kid to college. And that's just not realistic that some students are not college material. But if we can expose them to activities in a STEM class, for example, or in a career in tech academy where they're seeing things like auto shop or or construction trade or a culinary program, we're going to prepare our kids for the future a lot better than just shoving a test in front of them and saying, if you don't pass this, you can't get into college. Yeah, that's that whole, uh, you know, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it's always going to feel stupid. Absolutely. So, um, so moving on, what do you see as the next big thing in STEM, either in the workplace or in education, how it affects, you know, K through 12 students? What I, I don't see it as much in my school right now, but I do know a lot of people that are really into the AR VR movement right now. There's uh, two gentlemen that uh, they have a podcast called Check This Out, um, Ryan O'Donnell and Brian Briggs, uh, two f- people that have become good friends of mine. And I actually live about two hours from them now, but they are both really into the augmented reality, virtual reality. And I really see as as these devices are coming down in price, I'm really seeing where schools will be able to afford VR, AR, VR headsets to really immerse students in a world that normally you wouldn't be able to, where, uh, for example, when learning in a science class about underwater sea life, you know, it's one thing to look at pictures. It's another thing that if you can put on this VR headset and be immersed underwater, like you're diving amongst the fishes and the octopi. Oh, that's awesome. I, it, when you when you brought that up, it immediately got me thinking about the social studies realm and especially the history. You you could go to Gettysburg or you could go to Philadelphia without, you know, leaving the classroom and be yeah, in. And right now, there are a lot of different museums out there. One, for example, the National World War II Museum in New Orleans, they have a virtual field trip program where you can get on and basically tour the museum from a computer. You don't even have to be in the museum. Now, I highly recommend going to New Orleans and going to that museum. It is absolutely amazing. But I second that. I have been there. But if you're in Carson City, Nevada or Kingsford, Michigan, you're not going to be able to take a class of 35 students to New Orleans to do that. So that is a great alternative to physically being able to go to a museum. And then Google they have their expeditions where there's all sorts of different things as well, uh, where you can use the Google Cardboard in order to immerse yourself in some of the expeditions that they have. 
Yeah, I know. This is probably back in 2009. It was the first one I had ever heard of. I went to a conference and heard of it, and I set one up. We did a virtual field trip to the Smithsonian, and basically what it was is we just it was kind of like Skype with a man on the other end. And he had some pretty cool documents that he put under a document camera and us for us to look at. But, you know, just in the last nine years, uh, the virtual field trip has just exploded on the scene and it's so much easier now. And it's, right. it's and while I've never done it. I've never done a, a mystery Skype or a mystery hangout that that's something too, where you can get on, on the Skype or a Google hangout with somebody clear across the world and learn about another culture or learn about some historical event or um, you can see a rocket launch or something where somebody's at a rocket launch. So, I mean, just there's so many possibilities with technology and between and, and it's something that benefits all of our students. It's not just um, our students with special needs. All of our students can benefit from these things. And while it will most likely never happen because of money constraints, but I am a firm believer that all students could use an IEP. You know, if we could build every student an individualized education plan, it would be a benefit to everybody. Well, it would. And, you know, it, it, this could be a completely different podcast, but the way we box students into a certain area and, uh, you know, we're one of the only first world countries to do that. But again, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, I have one last question for you. Okay. Android or iPhone? I was an iPhone guy for a few years, but about a year ago, I got one of the Google Pixel 2s, and sorry, iOS, I'm never going back. So what do you like about about that in uh, a minute or less? I, I feel like the Google Pixel on the Android system, It um, if I get an update, I don't have to worry about my phone crashing out for the next week, because you hear a lot about that with the iOS, and I experienced that with iOS. Uh my music that I have on my phone, I can put that on any device, not just an Apple device. That was a problem with iTunes. And the camera on this phone is absolutely amazing, connects directly to Google Photos. I had Google Photos on my iPhone, but uh, I just feel that the it's just simpler with, with the, the Pixel phone. And I don't know. I just I, I really like this phone. So And then it also did not cost $1,100 like the iPhone 10. Right. All right. Well, hey, that was uh, that was awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about uh, the different things with technology and how you got your start and how you've seen STEM used in special education. And then uh, kind of the next big thing with the augmented and virtual reality. Thanks. For, thanks for coming on, Kyle. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I'm going to have to get a hold of you about coming on to my podcast with uh, Ben and I, uh, the Beer EDU podcast. So for those of you out there listening, uh, it's an up education podcast uh we just we mix in a little bit of beer we talk about education over beers kind of like you would do at the bar on a friday after a long week so a little bit of a spoiler alert i've been trying to figure out how to send you and ben some beer but it turns out you are not allowed to send beer through the postal service yeah you have to be a little sneaky about that <laughs> well uh i instead of sending something i'm not supposed to send i may send you something that would go with the beer if, so, you, if, if it's venison, I love you forever. <laughs> uh, let me shoot another deer first. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks again for having me, John. Hey, I'm, it's been all my pleasure. Thanks a lot and have a great night. You too. That will be it for the STEM Teacher Podcast. 
uh, episode 48, STEM in Special Education. We talked with Kyle Anderson, who is teaching special ed right now in Carson City, Nevada. We talked about how he got his start into technology with uh, being a Google certified educator, being a social studies teacher, and now a special education teacher. We talked about uh, how he saw STEM being played out with students with special needs, especially with um, applications that help with text-to-speech and speech-to-text. We also talked about where the next big thing in STEM is going, and in Kyle's opinion, it's going to be into that augmented reality and virtual reality where we can put kids, you know, instead of just studying the ocean, we can put them in the ocean using a headset. So if you'd like to know more about Kyle, you can find him on Twitter at Anderson Ed Tech, and I'll put that in the show notes. You can also listen to Kyle and his friend Ben on the Beer EDU podcast. For now, that'll be the end of the STEM teacher podcast. This is your host, John Van Dusen, asking you to keep an open mind and try to learn something new every day. You've been listening to the STEM Teacher Podcast hosted by John Van Dusen. You can find the STEM Teacher Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. You can follow John Van Dusen on Twitter at Mr. Underscore JVD or by email at stemteacherpodcast at gmail.com.